0: Hi, everyone. This is Tony Holbein. You're listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we are going to talk about your competition, how to think about it in the right way, and why you shouldn't obsess about it too much. Enjoy. So my intro obviously has to be that I crashed on the bike today.
1: Yeah, walking with a little bit of a lip today.
0: Yeah so that's the thing in denmark everyone is biking to work so so do i which is fantastic um but i was pretty stupid today i don't know
1: (laughs) that you spilled water all over our table as well before i'm
0: still you know dazed apparently
1: (laughs) it's a traumatic experience so you limped your way into the studio but at least we got it at least we're finally starting this whole show today yes and uh happy valentine's day as of you, episode going thank you, Bart. Out, yes, thank you, Bart. Yes,
0: did you bring me some candy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe there might be a bit of a Valentine's Day surprise after this episode. We'll see. Oh, wow. But okay, with Valentine's Day just today, we figured that we're going to talk about the most romantic thing I can think of competition. Compe- let's talk about the competition. Let's talk yeah. about competition because, as far as I'm concerned, relationships it's, everything's is competition.
0: So for everyone who doesn't know, this Bart is still a Bachelor and available. <laughs> uh, so and maybe just, it's a reason why. <laughs> it's, it's Bart with a T at growblocks.com, and uh, you know just reach out.
1: Yeah. But anyway, yeah, let's talk a little bit about competition. Uh, as yes. far as. We, we were talking about this a little bit earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago about how yes everything is looking you have always have to look at a competition no matter what it is no matter what industry you're at no matter what your business kind of is even us mm-hmm. when we don't necessarily have a direct competitors we're still kind of looking at everyone and one of the things you kind of brought up is the fact that like 99 of the time there you all, there's almost like the feeling that it doesn't really matter what competition is doing. It matters what's happening inside the walls. So that's yeah. the reason you you live or die essentially.
0: So this was actually kind of a quote from uh, one of the Zero founders. So Zero with an X, uh, pretty successful, insanely successful uh, accounting software company out of Australia, New Zealand, um, and Planda at the time. Basically, we were acquired by them, and one of the you know there was a town hall i was listening in and and that guy basically kind of said that um uh, we and this was the the larger we of zero and plan day and all the other acquisitions combined we shouldn't worry too much about competition mm-hmm. we should um you know look at them with um respect we should um you know approach it and and maybe have some learnings uh, but at the end of the day obsessing about it is pretty silly because the reason why zero as a company is f- gonna fail or or succeed I- is to ninety nine percent within the walls of zero, mm-hmm. uh, meaning you know the 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 competition and kind of this the the thing outside really just a minuscule thing that people are you know over obsessing and spending way more energy than the one percent, right? And I think that was a really nice level set. Um, Maybe also for this episode, it's like, uh, okay, so why are we talking about it? Well, we're talking apparently about the 1% then. Yeah, right?
1: the, the 1% <laughs> that times you actually have to look at the competition. And right now, I guess if you are kind of out there and you are looking at competition, there's a lot of things I think everyone actually does, right? So, I mean, obviously we're defining our market to competitors. We're you know, looking at our competitive advantages and potentially their disadvantages. Uh, paying attention to customer views. That's boring stuff.
0: Yeah, you can. You forgot to mention you can also do a
1: SWOT analysis. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think anyone's actually done one outside of university in a while. But yeah,
0: I think I think kind of maybe also to kind of begin with what is competition. Yeah. So there are your direct head-on competitors that maybe are in the same uh, a magic quadrant of of Gartner or in the same. A grid together with G two, and you know people switch back and forth between the two of you all the time. That's like an head-on competitor, right? Um, in many cases, though, there's also something that is um, at least in the prospect's mind more of a perceived competitor, yeah. Mm-hmm. And those might be, uh, especially if you know, if and when you're new, especially when the when the problem isn't well defined, the solution area isn't that well defined. Uh, people might look at you and um and you know despite you being completely different from whatever other yeah. uh, company name slash perceived competitor comes up um in the in the eyes of the prospect, you might be the same yeah uh, and so it's it's really it's really important not to only see competition as this one logo that you're competing with against the uh, uh, competing against the whole time, it's also what in your prospects might might be someone else mm-hmm. right and I think then. The last thing, and this was um, uh, also kind of a quote from, uh, from, from a VC I uh, talked to recently, basically um, she said, well, 95% uh, of your competition is Excel spreadsheets, which is, by the way, true probably for <laughs> almost every business, mm-hmm. and laziness. yeah this is 95 percent of your competition the other five percent is really then you know perceived competition and so forth right just want to kind of build a quick frame around what is competition really and how to think about it and and really that's the categories like direct head-on competitors perceived competition where you're basically fighting over the the headspace in your in your prospects and then the reality which really is excel spreadsheets and and uh, we're not we're not doing anything for that problem, you know th- those kind of people. Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. So I think a lot of this is the fact, like, yeah, you have to really understand what the competition is doing. But then, whenever you're kind of understanding what the competition is doing or seeing them do something that's potentially off the beaten track, now you have to start wondering, like, well, do they know something that I don't? Yeah. Do I know something that they don't?
0: Yeah, and the the way the way I sometimes refer to it is, um, have you ever played uh, chess against yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, when you say that out loud the first time, if especially if you haven't done that, <laughs> it sounds like a a lonely child, no no friends, <laughs> sad childhood kind of thing you would do. So I did that. Um, not not excessively, by the way. I don't you know now, now I feel kind of weird about this. <laughs> but basically kind of the 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 funny thing about this is uh you start playing chess and the beginning is you're like, wow, that's pretty stupid because you and your hat on, you know, one side you think like five, six steps ahead, and then you turn it around and uh then you kind of suddenly realize, oh wait a minute, you know, there's uh, and the the thing is, you know, unless you have done it yourself, you won't realize that as you turn the board Suddenly you realize, wow, this is—I uh, literally did not look at this like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I was thinking about this in this move, but now I know because I'm now the—I'm now white, not the black side—that <laughs> um, you know that doesn't make sense. I'm going to do something else. And as you turn it back, kind of this surprise kind of continues, right? Um, and I think uh, this approach is sometimes extremely healthy to take with. Your competitors, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. if you're only staying from your one perspective, looking at the competition and judging it, you know, one one or the other way, try and try and be the competitor. Try and you know look at your own business, and you might you might find new new surprising things that you uh, maybe haven't thought of before, right? That might then give you insights on your own business and how to operate and so forth. So I think this is kind of a pretty healthy approach sometimes to. Maybe do that SWOT analysis, just, just in newer terms. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's cooler to play chess against yourself, but basically kind of taking this approach to um, uh, to competitive analysis.
1: Definitely. And so I guess let's start looking into, let's let's put on the CEO hats. And, and so say now we're do- playing chess against ourselves and, and looking at the, what the competition is doing and really understanding that and understanding your business a bit more. Ideally, that kind of eliminates a lot of knee-jerk reactions.
0: Yeah. So... Um, this, this, this usually is, is something that, um, that might be CEO-driven. Um, so I, I had this in, in one of the organizations I worked for where um, a big, big event, COVID, you know, whatever, um, and uh, all the competitors around us maneuvering. Obviously, everything was completely new playing field suddenly. Um, and uh, some of them going out with radically different Messaging and radically different product offerings than than they used to, right? So the whole the whole uh, competitive set, you know, felt like it was resetting overnight, um, which obviously, you know, in, in hindsight, obviously wasn't true, but kind of in the moment, you didn't know. I mean, this w- this was labeled the black swan event, and then everything was kind of suddenly changing. And I think what's really um, in that case, what was a bit of a bit of an issue, was basically. CEO of the business and that was not me, um, uh, looked at the competition, they made a move and it's like, Hey, we need to launch a new product tomorrow. Um, and I was like, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, so first of all, <laughs> first of all, um, we don't even, you know, we need to kind of figure out if we actually have that product, if we could get to that thing through configuration and you know, maybe that was possible, but then the other thing was, um. There was so much other stuff happening, uh, especially with COVID and the change and so forth. Um, throwing another product into the mix just didn't feel like the right way of prioritizing, right? It's a little bit this action bias problem that I think um, I sometimes see a lot uh, working with companies where, hey, something is changed, something is new, um, and everyone wants us and me to react. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they react you know, action bias with, you know, without that actually helping anything in the end, right? It's a little bit the same happening right now with, um, you know, the economic downturn that we're having where people are basically thinking, okay, you know, I need to do something, I need to fire someone, I need to, you know, change things, uh, react really harshly, uh, but without thinking about potentially the revenue growth consequences or, you know, whatever comes out of that, right? So, and, uh, you know, just doing a, a, a quick health check, sense check on some of those knee-jerk reactions, I think it's pretty healthy, uh, especially if they're fueled by the competitors, right? Because, again, many times, who knows if they're getting it right? I mean, yep. you, know, that's, that's, you know, sure, we should have respect for our competitors and we should kind of, uh, you know, not, not down-talk uh, them neither on sales calls nor internally, uh, but at the end of the day, those are also just, you know, some folks sitting on the table making some silly decisions, just like all of us. Yep. So why why copy that necessarily, right? So kind of having that healthy approach is I think sometimes uh, pretty important. I think the other point around CEOs, and this could be founders as well, by the way, um, I think it's pretty healthy to have, um, you know, regular checkups
1: with your competitor CEOs. So is this something that you usually have done or do a lot of ways because, like me, especially outside the C suite area, this feels weird,
0: yeah. So, I wouldn't. So, this is not a VP sales thing, yes. this is very much a CEO only thing. So, I haven't done that in my previous roles. Um, I have uh, seen other CEOs that are doing it. Um, uh, the guy from Templify has actually been doing this, and I honestly I th- mm-hmm. think he's a very capable, capable guy. Um, and the reason is pretty simple and pretty straightforward, it's not about you know, you know, posturing and reading, and oh, and he feels insecure, and you know, we—it's yeah. not a—it's not a poker bluff game or anything like that. It's um, it's very much about the very real possibility that either one of you might acquire the other at some point in time. Yes, very, very real, real uh, chance for that to happen. Um, and that that obviously can you know happen in in, in uh, on great terms. It can happen on terrible terms. We talked about this, you know, previously, you, you're distressed asset, you need to sell. Well, one of your competitors might be the one buying you, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those deals um, tend to go much better and smoother and easier and before everything is, you know, at the point of, 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 you know, falling off the cliff. If you do have an existing relationship already, right? If you have a, a if there is a channel that you can sometimes have that conversation and figure out, um, you know, whether or not that is, that is an option. Obviously, again, that doesn't mean that you can just show up one day and say like, so, you know, you want to buy me, it's going to be so much. It's, it's not going to work like that, yeah. but much easier if you have that, if you have that open conversation, right? And um, I have also a negative example where that wasn't the case. Um, when I was working at uh, Falcon, we bought one of our competitors um, and there was a clear, like, hate relationship between the teams. Like literally, the uh, both teams and this also my fault by the way. Both teams are for like basically were declaring that the other side is the enemy, and you know needed to be like you know killed. I yes. say killed actually, but kind of you know
1: us versus them.
0: Yes, um, and then when it came to the situation where we then ended up acquiring them, that was a really big challenge. Then integrating those teams, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of them without even giving us a chance. Opted out and were like I will never work for that company, without having ever you know actually ever worked with us or you know uh, seen the the office from the inside and and that that is just not necessary. At the end of the day, you know we're not we're not literally uh, armies and soldiers literally trying to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of working in a business and sometimes it gets you know obviously a bit rougher and obviously there are feelings involved and everything. Um, but th- th- there can be a limit to some of that stuff, right? So again, in order to uh, soften some of this, um, I would recommend uh, for, it can be founders, it can be CEOs. Uh, I think it's weird for VP or VP of or something yeah. like that um, to have just regular check-ins and, and, and see um, how, how that relationship is going.
1: Yeah, but at the very least, having it open to have those conversations and, and to, to ha- again, have a better relationship. I think, uh, I, and this isn't just even within B2B, uh, w- in my previous life in journalism, we constantly would have news directors would be really friendly with other news directors to yeah. talk about what's going on. And then eventually, sometimes those news directors had to combine forces because their papers got bought out yes. together, right? So yes. it's as long as you can kind of create that sense of camaraderie beforehand and also maybe even understand your general market a little bit better.
0: Kind of moving on to maybe a little bit more of a um, kind of a rev area. area. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at your competitors um, and you usually don't know what the exact revenue number is, but you do know whether or not they're ahead of you or not, right? You usually know that. You can tell from the amount of employees that they have. You can tell from the funding that they raised mm-hmm. um, and so forth. Um, and And especially when they are better than you are, I think a very healthy question to ask is uh why why are they better in their go to market than than we are mm-hmm. what have they figured out that we haven't figured out um why are they doing this specific go to market motion like they're doing and um you know let's just not say that oh let's copy that immediately but let's try and really think through and understand why is it that they came to that conclusion? Why is it that they have that belief? Uh, why is it that they're potentially successful with that? Right? And, and again, kind of two examples here. One is, um, you know, one could be um, someone might be doing outbound uh, uh, as a competitor or m- and maybe you are not doing that. Mm-hmm. Just because they have BDRs and SDRs on their payroll does not mean that they're successful with that, right? Mm. So this is kind of a you know you need to be careful with that, not not blindly copying some of these things, um, especially if you know that they're selling in an ACV that is below ten k, maybe if you know that their churn is maybe not uh, you know negative, um, then doing uh, then copying something like that is is potentially um, uh, a bad idea. And again, this is then where you really need to understand why, why are they doing it like this? And then you know, if you have figured out why they're doing it, then you can have a much better decision on copying them or not, right? Mm-hmm. And the other example I think I mentioned uh, earlier on this, on this, on this show uh, as well is um, one of uh, my competitors working in Plan Day. They were basically very global from the start. Um, and Plan Day as a, as, a, as a software has like two components. One is really the scheduling side like um, employees when they can show up Um, and the other side is uh, basically payroll right which then leads to um, all kinds of legal and accounting issues for the different regions uh, markets really right so the thing is um, the competitor did the exact same thing in different markets though Um, and what we then saw is they were extremely successful internationally right and for a long time we were like wow, how are they getting this done to kind of be so sophisticated doing the salary for all of those? You know, they were in, you know, Dubai, they were in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Malaysia. They were in all kinds of countries. Were like, hey, that could be a kind of a cool market. But, I mean, who knows how, how all of that stuff there actually works. Um, and what we then, you know, a little bit later figured out is they basically only sold their scheduling software there. Um mm. So what they basically did is, um, again, and this this is something that came through, you know, thinking through it, understanding, uh, logging in with different IP addresses to their pricing <laughs> page, and all that, you know, these kind of things. Um, uh, which then, you know, dawned on us was, wait a minute, uh, basically they were pretty smart about it. They sold a premium product for a premium price mm-hmm. in the areas where they could do uh, both the scheduling and the the payroll. And then they basically ask for a much discounted price, but globally only for the scheduling, right? Which basically helped them to build a much bigger uh, footprint much faster, right? The TAM suddenly exploded, obviously for lower ticket sizes and so forth. Um, and that was kind of, um, that was a cool realization to have, honestly, right? To yeah. so kind of how how the F can they sell in all of those countries, us knowing what the limitations are until we realized how they're actually doing it? They basically yeah. avoided that limitation in the first place, still went in there, still sold stuff, and then obviously had the um, uh, the advantage to know where is there more demand for my software, mm-hmm. where should I be developing the premium product next, right? Um, so pretty pretty smart from their side, and I feel pretty smart from ours that we figured it out. Maybe it was a little bit too late. I'm not sure. I'm not in this business anymore. <laughs> but uh, uh, so th- this is kind of an example for. Um, investigating your, your competitor's uh, go-to-market engine yeah. and using it then, you know, as as understanding comes out of that process and using it to augment your own.
1: Definitely. And, and speaking of looking at the whole GTM functions, I mean, there, there has to be something to be said about the first company that can kind of do it right, right? The first company that goes PLG, yeah. uh, the first company that, you know, expands in certain markets. That, that all of a sudden gives them that leg up. So the 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 logic here really
0: is um especially p l g um so product led growth especially sometimes enterprise or mm-hmm. uh, or s m b small medium businesses um there there usually is a assumption in in your competitive set um that things can only be done in a certain way mm-hmm. yeah? so if you are an enterprise business, the assumption might be well in order to be successful in this corner of the market we need to have those kind of sales people needs to be this kind of sales process and so forth um and and then there's you know it's almost like a uh, like a dogma hey this cannot be done differently um the the way i would you know like to challenge everyone instead to think about it is um if someone were to figure out for example how to successfully deploy plg you know coming from mid-market or even enterprise motion in your competitive set, that competitor would walk away with a fairly large advantage over you, yeah? Mm-hmm. And and basically, what you want to avoid is be the last one figuring this out, right? And there are kind of two approaches to this. One is no one has figured this out. Uh, who's going to be the first one? Maybe no one. Um, and, you know, if someone is the first one, you want to try and be the first one. Or if someone in your competitive set has figured this out, you almost, I feel, you're almost forced to copy that. Mm-hmm. You're almost forced to copy things like having pricing on your website. Uh, you're almost, again, not in all cases, almost forced to try and copy, you know, product like growth approach, meaning being uh, much easier to, um, you know, uh, you know, start the product, onboard yourself and, and, and these kind of things. Um and those are those are previous, so th- those two things specifically are actually uh, connected with ease of use, ease of purchasing, you know, ease of research, zero friction, zero risk, all of that stuff. Um, and um, and they usually also refer to as, well, it can't be done in our uh, uh, company, it can't be done in our market. And well, if someone does do it in the end, um, then you look stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that will be a competitive advantage actually to achieving that, right? So kind of, Really making sure that uh, you think through that and and augment your go to market uh, approach in the sense, I think that's really important. And I think the the last, you know, maybe kind of the last mindset piece, or way to think about this, really is, um, and I see this on the on the sales side a lot, is oh, you know, they have this new feature and mm-hmm. we couldn't we couldn't win this deal because of this feature. Um, And now, you know, product gets more and more pressure to build out all of those features, so we have, you know, quote-unquote feature parity and all of that jazz. Um, I think you as RevOps, you as uh, revenue leader, you as as CEO, you should be also thinking about um, new features that your competition has on their go-to-market, yeah? Mm -hmm. Think about it like that. What are new features that they're developing Um, that might be superior to your own go-to-market setup that are worth copying, right? Um, And we dove into a lot of details with PLG and Enterprise and SMB and, you know, whatsoever. It doesn't actually matter what it is specifically, but having this approach and saying how, you know, what is a new feature that is worth copying or what is a new feature that we just came across from the competitor's go-to-market is a pretty healthy way of approaching this.
1: Definitely, Uh, because... I think it's it's a really good idea. And it's, and I think it all goes back to playing chess against yourself, right? And, and especially if you're just looking at doing your regular competitor research and doing your regular competitive things like, you know, buying out people's contracts or making sure, you know, your competitive campaigns bidding uh, yeah. against your own brand. That's not enough.
0: No. And it's, I mean, it's kind of some of the how-to kind of things that everyone is doing. I just yeah. want to uh, maybe not rush completely through this. so. On the marketing side, obviously, you should have uh, competitive landing pages set up. So your brand versus that. Yes, Um, But you can also do competitor one versus competitor two. Uh, And it's an SEO game, and you can bid on that and so forth, right? You can do that. Uh, Many people are doing some of this already. You should definitely bid on your own brand. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a really... uh, So a bid on your own brand name on on Google. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of caveats where that doesn't make sense, but there's some really funny examples of... um, uh, I think Figma did this. Uh, if you search or if you searched at that point, Figma alternative, basically Figma was the first thing coming up. But instead of saying buy Figma, mm-hmm. it said there is no alternative. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> you know, there, there's a couple of these things where you can uh, you can kind of play with this. Um, and then obviously on the sales side, you need to, you know, you need to, uh, you can do things like buying out your the the contracts of these guys. Mm-hmm. You can maybe hire people from the competition and kind of have them on your sales team. That's pretty interesting sometimes. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and then on the C's side, um, things like um, so when we were working in Falcon, uh, when we got someone from Hootsuite, so that was a competitor. We got someone from Sprout, that's a competitor. The onboarding was completely different for them because they were like, not saying that those are the same things here, yeah. but no, I get it, this is this, this is that, this is this, cool, yeah, Uh, and and moving on. So you can actually slim down your onboarding, especially for kind of competitive bids kind of really Mm -hmm. nicely. Um, And and this is a sales CS in between, especially when you have a lot of, if it's a more of a rip and replace kind of feel, we need to port a lot of data over, kind of build those data connections and so forth. But I think, again, a lot of people are doing these tactical things already. Um, I think we wanted to talk a little bit more about, you know, the approach and, uh, what to, what to do that you might have not thought of today. Right. Definitely. Um, and in the end of the day, obsessing too much about competition, it's, it is not the right thing, right? It's not the right thing for product. I think a lot of, mm. pro- uh, pro- folks out there will probably kind of echo that, um, uh, but it's the same thing for you know your go-to-market strategy.
1: Yeah, I, I think you have to make sure your house is clean before you can look into somebody else's house. Right now,
0: there you go. Was that another? Anyway, <laughs> that's
1: one another Bart thought. Yes. <laughs> anyway, thanks again. I, I think this has been a great episode. Uh, I think, uh, but uh, I guess let's, let's just a, a quick recap. Play play chess against yourself is essentially what you're trying to do. you just you need to understand what the what the competition is doing. But then also understanding what it means for them and what it means for you.
0: Yeah, and um, see see those go to market you know machines of your competitor as as a way of inspiration, um, and copy some of those features that they're coming out with. Wonderful! Thank you, thank you, Bart. Thank um, you. Th- this might, you know, next next episode we might have on here again.
1: Yeah, I mean, mostly, we'll I'm more than likely this will be my last episode on this ep- this show for let's, a while. Let's see about that. We'll but uh,
0: uh, Bart, thank you so much. Yeah,
1: thank you. All
0: right, see you guys.